everyone. Wow, good morning. What a beautiful day to gather and celebrate. There's just something special about Palm Sunday, isn't there? Uh, Easter is a, a glorious day as well, but there's just something that feels so special and sacred about this day as we enter into Holy Week this week. So uh, super excited to be celebrating Palm Sunday with you guys in person and with you guys online. Thank you for joining us. Please let us know that you are here so that we can connect with you online and say, hello. If this is your first time joining us online, please feel free to fill out, fill out a connect card uh, that you should be able to find somewhere on that stream so that we can get to know you. And um, wow, it's so great to be here together this morning. Let me read for you as we prepare our hearts for worship, as we prepare to sing Hosanna. Let me share with you from Psalm chapter 33, reading verses 20 through 22. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Our hope is in him this morning. Amen. 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 Would you pray with me? Glorious God, we are so grateful to be in this place today. Lord, our hearts rejoice that this year on Palm Sunday that we are not stuck at our homes, that we are able to be here together this morning for those of us who are. Lord, we celebrate that we are in a different place than we were one year ago, and we are so grateful, and we um, hold on to the hope of all the things that will continue to be made new in the days and weeks and months ahead. Lord, would you be in this space with us this morning? As we open up our hearts to worship you, would you reveal yourself to us once again? Lord, would you fill this place with your glorious, radiant presence that, me, that we may be overjoyed and undone at the goodness of God that is before us. Lord, we love you and we are excited to praise your holy name this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Holy Spirit, we sense your, your sweet presence in this place. And I don't want to rush what it is that you are doing and how you are speaking to us, how you are comforting us. Lord, I just, um, I know that there is a lot going on in the lives of those in our midst today. Some of, it is, uh, some of it is things that we know about, requests and burdens that we have shared, and others are unknown, but still very much present. Lord, I just pray that you would be near to the grieving hearts that are in this place today. Lord, we remember those who are experiencing immense loss this morning. Lord, I just want to lift up Mike and the Peters family. Our hearts are very heavy for them, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would draw near to them. I pray that you would give them peace in a way that only you can, Lord. 
God, I just pray that they would find a sense of rest and peace in your presence and that they would find that you are walking with them through this grief and this incredibly difficult time. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering from sickness. We know that there are some that have been suffering for weeks on end, relentlessly, with sickness. Lord, there are some that are just having test after test done and unsure of what it is that is wrong. We remember Carrie today. Lord, we pray for Brenda this morning that she would receive the, the treatment and the care that she needs and that you would be with her as she just continues to struggle with her health. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to draw near to those who are having a difficult time. Lord, we rejoice at the at the new thing that you are doing and the ways that things are getting better all around, but we recognize that for some there are still challenges. There are still difficult days ahead. And so, Lord, we just pray for those who might be struggling today, who just need you to show up for them in a new and fresh way. Lord, you know them. I pray that you would meet them where they are this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be the people that you have called us to be. I pray, Lord, that we would be the community that you have created us to be. I pray, Lord, that we can continue to journey together, growing closer to one another. I pray, Lord, for, for days ahead where we can gather once again around tables together. I pray, Lord, and, and I anticipate the days when we can gather in homes. We are praying for that to happen very soon, Lord. We are ready to do life together in its fullness again. Help us, Lord, to be truly present in one another's lives. Help us, Lord, to resist the temptation to keep our heads down and continue on this Christian journey alone and isolated Lord, we were created for community. We need community. We truly do need one another. And I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us be present for one another. Help us to take notice. Help us to pause and lift one another up in prayer. Help us, Lord, to just be present in this space in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. Help us to be present and available. Lord, we love you so much. And we thank you for the great love that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Well, it is Palm Sunday, and we are excited to be here today, and we are finishing up. This is the 
the sixth and final Sunday of the season of Lent. And uh, we also pause to recognize that we are about to enter into a very sacred space. We are entering into Holy Week this week. And I hope and pray that you will find moments where you can just pause and take that in. That you will just find moments and, and just pause and let the Lord speak to you and, and really draw near to just the rawness that is Holy Week. I hope that you will make plans to join us on Friday evening, whether in person or online at 7 p.m. as we uh, gather together in remembrance of Good Friday. Um, I think the service is, is going to be just, um, just a, a, a good time of, of remembrance and reflection, and I'm carefully preparing so that it can be a time for that remembrance and reflection. So I hope you'll gather with us. Well, today is Palm Sunday, as you are well aware. And so I, before we jump into our text, I, I want to pause and just set the scene for you. Okay, just imagine it. Close your eyes if you have to, but, but you can just imagine this kind of in the background here. I want to set the scene that, that Jesus has just entered into the city in what we call his triumphant entry. He has just entered into the city, and the echoes of Hosanna still hang in the air. Can you hear it? Hosanna! Hosanna! I want you to imagine that on the ground there are just palm branches just laying on the ground, and, and perhaps there are still coats laying on the ground. They've been trampled upon now. They're, they're, they're mangled and wrinkled and dirty and dusty, and it may be bits and pieces of palm branches, but imagine them just lying on the ground. Imagine all of the, the celebration, and at the same time, I would imagine chaos that ensued because there were a lot of people gathered to witness this triumphant entry. And as you imagine this triumphant entry, I want you to recognize that this entrance, this Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, it looked quite similar at first to every other victorious entrance, although the fact that, that it was held in Jerusalem was a little bit different, a little bit odd. That might not have been something that they anticipated or expected, but, but for a moment, these entrances looked somewhat the same, although there were differences too. Uh, you see, a military leader would enter into the city victorious, surrounded by shouts of praise, going through, right through the center of the city, straight towards the temple, and everyone would be shouting for them, much like what we see on this Palm Sunday. We read about shouts of praises and lots of people gathered, and it's a big moment. And so Jesus' triumphant entry looked similar, but as I said, it also looked a little bit different. There were some things about the way that Jesus entered into the city that would seem odd to the people, and it would seem odd for any other victorious, triumphant military leader. It would especially look a little bit odd when you're thinking about the Messiah who is supposedly coming in to rescue his people from the oppressive regime that they had been living under. Because Jesus, as you know the story... Jesus rides in on a young donkey. And instead of the standard military chariots, he's surrounded with these misfit disciples. And, and he's not surrounded by soldiers. He's surrounded by these young men who don't look all that impressive, right? 
And then something odd happens toward the end. Something odd happens because as every other victorious military leader entered into the city before, they would head straight through the city toward the temple, and that is where they would go and offer up their sacrifice to whichever god they served and kind of make a name for themselves in the temple. Jesus, too, headed straight for the temple, but he didn't head to the temple to lay his sacrifice on the altar. He actually went into the temple and did something very strange. He began clearing the place out. What? What is happening here? I want to invite you this morning to stand as we read Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to read verses 12 through 17. Imagine the chaos that is unfolding. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the, tem- and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This may not be the text that you are most familiar with on Palm Sunday. Maybe you are somewhat familiar with this text, as I'm sure you are, but it it might not seem like the most familiar Palm Sunday text, does it? That, that we are reminded once again, and we, we remember this every year on Palm Sunday, that, that Jesus disrupted the expectations of those who were looking to him. He continued to, to redefine what it meant to be the Messiah. And this disrupted the expectations of those around him. And we see this again in this text, although this is such a significant moment in which he illustrates these disrupted expectations. But I want you to understand this morning that the sacred invitation today is one of disruption. I want to invite you to be disrupted this morning. Let your expectations be disrupted because that's what we see in this text. Once again, the expectations are disrupted. And in this text, it it pertains particularly to religion and what was going on in the temple and what was going on in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh, and how Jesus was angry about this. You see, when we think about religion, it's all too easy to make religion into something that it was not intended to be. If we aren't careful, we can take this loving, wonderful relationship with God and turn it into a misused religion that is oftentimes used to harm other people or to keep people from experiencing the fullness of God. 
When we look at Scripture, from the very beginning, from the very first page, when you look throughout Scripture, we are reminded that this is a beautiful story unfolding of a relational, loving God and His people. And He has always been a loving, relational God who loves His people, who meets them where they are, who journeys with them, and then returns to them time and time again after they've abandoned Him or turned away from Him time and time again. When you read Scripture, you will find that that this has always been a God who shows up for the lowly. He's always shown up for the hurting, for the oppressed, for the marginalized, for the poor and the abused. This is who God has always been. I can't possibly point out all the ways in which we see this in Scripture this morning. There's too many to count. There's too many to point to in such a short period of time. But as we read Scripture... We read that God relentlessly shows up for the people who he loves. He, he relentlessly shows up to, for them to help them. We read that God uh, tells his people to therefore show up for one another and help them when they need help. God continually expects his people to love one another, to serve one another, and to show up for one another in the way that he has shown up for us. And if we aren't doing this, we're showing contempt for God. And so we shouldn't be surprised that when we don't reflect this relational God, when this loving relational God is not seen in us, we should not be surprised when we find a course correction. When we use religion as an oppressive or abusive tool serving our own needs, and not the needs of the other, we expect this to upset God. And we see this upset happen in this text in three particular ways today. See, the first thing we see in this text that angers Jesus is that religion is being used as exploitation. When Jesus enters into the temple, he finds that it's being misused and used for the purposes of exploitation. Because we read about the money changers. Matthew talks about the money changers. And just so that we're all on the same page and clear here, the money changers would take the standard Greek and Roman currency and they would exchange those for the temple currency so that all of those who were traveling from out of town into into the city for the celebration of the Passover feast, they could make the purchases that they need to make to make their appropriate sacrifices, and they would have the correct currency to do that. The problem is, is that during these feasts, these celebrations, and particularly the Passover feast, there are a lot of people, and business is booming, and these merchants are aware of that. And so the other significant part of the story that we need to recognize is that Matthew mentions the doves. What's so significant about the doves? Matthew mentions the doves, and the reason that this is significant is because those doves were for people who were on the poorer side and couldn't afford a lamb for their sacrifice. If they couldn't afford a lamb for their sacrifice, a dove was an appropriate substitution. And so between, scholars point out that between the exchange rate for the currency and the price of the doves, the merchants were making a killing. And they were doing it at the sake of those who could hardly afford it. And this made Jesus incredibly angry. That they would make a hefty profit off of those who could least afford it. 
This made Jesus incredibly angry because this is not how the people of God operate. And this is not how the place of worship should operate. The places of worship ought to not tolerate this kind of behavior. To make it even worse, Matthew, uh, or scholars point out that this all likely happened in the court of the Gentiles. And all of this commotion and all this trading and selling and buying that was happening was was kind of a stumbling block for them to be able to get to the temple to worship God. And that's why Jesus quotes Isaiah at this moment. He says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. See, the time is drawing near where both Jew and Gentile will be able to come together to worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. And what is happening right now is keeping that prophecy from being fulfilled. What's happening right now is keeping the Jews and the Gentiles from being able to get to where they ought to be so that they can worship the one true God together. This is done in and through Jesus, and Jesus is saying the time has come and you are putting a stumbling block in the way of it. You are keeping this from happening. What ought to be a place of prayer for all the nations, you are turning it into a marketplace, and not only that, but a marketplace that gets ahead by by taking advantage of the poor, those that you ought to be helping. Instead, you're taking advantage of them. This is the very opposite of what the people of God ought to be. The people of God ought to look for ways to make life easier for others, not more difficult. The people of God ought to make it easier for others to find God and to find Jesus, not make it more difficult for them to get to God. The the people of God ought to be a people of inclusivity, not exclusivity. It's us and them. We are here on the inside, and we have space in this place, but you don't. And so there's all kinds of questions that we can ask from just this first thing that we kind of see here in this text. I have a lot of questions for us today. I hope that's okay with you. But I wonder, do we make it more difficult for some to get to God? Do we expect Jesus to be okay with this or even bless this? How might we find ourselves misrepresenting God? How might we be putting obstacles to worship in the way of people, particularly a certain kind of people? We see that that Jesus disrupts this, this religion being used as exploitation. And so we kind of move on to the second we Second thing we see, and the second thing we see is a correction course, if you will. We, we see religion being used as exploitation to religion being used as restoration. The temple was being misused, but now Jesus is going to redeem that misuse. In verse 14, we read, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. I find it so interesting that after Jesus does all this clearing, after he gets rid of what shouldn't have been there to begin with, now people can get to him. Now people can come to him and receive the healing that they have been waiting for, that they have been longing for. So he makes a way for them. This is what the temple of God ought to be, and this is how the temple of God ought to be used so that people can find Jesus, that they can get to Jesus and experience this healing 
from Jesus. When the world encounters the people of God, we ought to make a way for them. We ought to make space for them and say, how can I make it easier for you to get to Jesus? Not more difficult. Scholar William McCumber says this. He says, the lesson here is too plain to miss. The house of God becomes a source for vision and strength only when the Lord is present. And he is present in the place of worship to heal and to save, to enlighten and to empower, only when he can bring all the programs and practices of that house under his judging and correcting words. See, the people of God, we, you and I, friends, we are called to go and find the poor and serve the least of these and responding to the call of God to, to make life better for them? How can we come alongside them and help them and help them to see God and to receive healing and restoration from Jesus? How can we minister to them in the midst of their hardship? Is, is the house of God, are the people of God, are we a source for vision and strength? Are the blind welcomed in and made to see? Are the broken welcomed in? And invited to be made whole, or do we expect them to be fixed before they come in? You can come in once you get it together and once you're fixed. Or do we invite them in as they are to receive healing and restoration? Are certain types of people welcome here and, and others are not? And when I say here, I'm speaking generally. The body of Christ. Is God present in these spaces to enlighten and to empower, or is he absent because of what we've created these spaces to be? We see through Jesus that he longs to be. Listen, Jesus longs to be where the broken and needy are. Where they are, that's where Jesus wants to be. Jesus longs to be present for them. Jesus longs to find them and to touch them and to make them whole. That's where Jesus longs to be. And if that's where Jesus longs to be, then I feel wholeheartedly that's where we should long to be. And finally, we see this morning, from religion used as exploitation to religion as restoration and then to religion as celebration. Verse 15 says, But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw these wonderful things that Jesus was doing, and then they saw the children shouting in the temple courts. Imagine children running around this building right now at this moment, singing, Hosanna to the son of David. They were, what? Indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? And I also have to imagine that they're like, can you believe these children are running around the courts of this temple like they are right now? Can't their parents tell them to go sit down and be quiet? I just, I imagine that that was happening too. It may not have. But they were frustrated at what these children were saying. They didn't like it. And I love I love that on Palm Sunday, on the afternoon and evening of Palm Sunday, these children are still running around rejoicing at Christ the King who is in their midst and who has just entered triumphantly. I love that these children are still excited. 
It reminds us of the pure innocence of a child who is in love with King Jesus. It reminds us of how children just don't hold back. And sometimes they say things that don't make sense and we hear it and we want to criticize it and critique it. But really it's just their raw, pure love for Jesus shining through. And I love that. I wish I had more of that. And I was thinking about, this is not at all the direction I was going with my sermon, but I couldn't help but think this week. I thought, I long to be at a, at a place where children are welcomed and, and encouraged to be a part. And I'm sure that's happened here. I haven't even been a part long enough to know whether or not, but I'm sure it has. And I just want to remind us and encourage us that children need to be a part of what we're doing here. They need to be welcomed onto this platform. They need to be welcomed to be a part of our ministries. Because guess what? We have so much to learn from them. We shouldn't be afraid of them messing up or doing something wrong or, or reading the, the Bible passage and it takes them 25 minutes to read it and we kind of lose interest. We should welcome the children being a part of what we're doing here because that's where the heart of Jesus is. Jesus continued to welcome the children into his presence when society wanted to hush them. They were insignificant. They were not important. They didn't matter. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we kind of see hints of that in this moment. And it's completely rebuffed by the Pharisees. And I love Jesus' response. I love it because he says, Yes, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? He's quoting Psalm chapter 8, verse 2 here. And I think what Jesus is basically saying is, if you read your Bibles, you would understand what's happening right now. If you read your Bibles, you would understand all that is unfolding in your midst, and you too would celebrate. You too would be running laps around these temple courts, celebrating the King, the Son of David, the Messiah that is in your midst. If only you understood, you too would be praising in this same way, but your hearts are hardened. You don't have it within you to praise. You don't have the joy that these children have, and that's why you reject them. But these children see what we fail to see, that Jesus is and continues to usher in the kingdom of God in new and unexpected ways. And that kingdom is nothing like the world. It's rejected by the world because it welcomes in the lowly and it lifts them up. It welcomes in the poor and, and the oppressed and longs to help and serve alongside them. It welcomes in the voices of children and elevates them and says this is where the kingdom of heaven is in their eyes. The kingdom invites all. The kingdom of God invites all. None are excluded. And that is praiseworthy. Amen? That is praiseworthy that you and I are invited into this kingdom and that we are not excluded because I feel like I should be excluded. I feel like I have every reason to be excluded from the fold. And he welcomes me in. And if we really let that sink in, then we too I think, would, would be excited to just praise him a little bit more because it's praiseworthy. It demands a worshipful response from us. And so often, and I am guilty of this, so often only contempt is shown. And this kind of news isn't exciting 
for those who view religion as an oppressive tool. For those who view religion as an authoritative tool over someone, this is disruption, right? This is disruption. For those who who look at religion as an exclusive group, to say that everyone is welcome, that's a disruption. But for the children, it's praiseworthy. For the lowly, it's praiseworthy. For the broken and for the misfits, it's praiseworthy. For the outcasts and the oppressed, it's praiseworthy. What about us? Are we praising and shouting Hosanna, or are we showing contempt? Are we rejoicing that this is the king who has entered into our midst today, or are we frustrated at the disruption? See, I want to remind us that Jesus wants to disrupt our lives too. He wants to continually disrupt our lives, and by that I just mean that he wants to continue to be able to move freely, and we put these restrictions on him. And I don't think we mean to. I really don't think we mean to do that, but we do. And Jesus wants to continually make things new. And a lot of times it's uncomfortable for us. It's hard for us. It calls us to be a part. And so we resist it. But Jesus wants to continue to disrupt that. Jesus wants to continue to overturn places of injustice and clean out the idolatry that's in our midst. And letting him do so would make space for healing and restoration for us and for others. Letting him do so would would help us to be formed into the image of Christ instead of trying to conform the Christ into the image that we want. Letting him do so would help align our vision so that we can see the kingdom of God and how it's already at work in the world all around us and join that work. Friends, Jesus wanted and wants to do so much more than simply free us from the oppressive regime. He wants to ignite us. He wants to usher in his kingdom, and he calls us to be a part. He wants to bring about the true and everlasting peace and usher in his kingdom of love and grace. And the kingdom is at work and will continue to be at work all around. I want to invite the praise team to come back up. And as we prepare to respond this morning, as we prepare to continue in this attitude of worship, I just want to remind you that, that we, can, we can call out and cry out Hosanna while repenting and confessing the ways in which we fall short. We can do both of those at the same time. We can praise God and, and cry out Hosanna while confessing that we have fallen short of who we've been called to be. That sometimes we don't reflect the beautiful, relational God who continually pursues us. And sometimes we put barriers in the way. We can cry out Hosanna and look for ways that the kingdom of God is breaking in and and commit to joining that work. Not just sitting on the sidelines, but getting in there, get our hands dirty and join in the work. The coming of the Messiah looked looked so different than what the people were expecting. And aren't you so glad? Aren't you so glad that he came to do so much more than just simply overthrow an oppressive government? 
aren't you so glad that he moved into the neighborhood and said, guess what, I'm here for the long haul. I'm here for the long haul and I want to continue to renew and redeem you. I want to continue to use you. Christ came for so much more than what we think we want. He's come to do so much more than what we expect. He's come to free us from our bondage to sin and free us from the cycles of exclusion and injustice. He's come to give us eyes to see the ways that the kingdom of God is already at work in the world. He has come to partner with with us and the Holy Spirit to see this, this justice, this peace, this love, this grace, this restoration, to see that all around us and wait as we wait and wait for that fullness to come even more. And so on this Palm Sunday, we aren't getting a military leader. We're getting so much more. We're getting Christ the King, the Messiah, the one who has come to save. This is the message of Palm Sunday, this message of disruption. So I wanna ask these final questions this morning. What might Jesus need to do to disrupt our lives, both as individuals and as the body of Christ? so that he can bring healing and restoration? How are we preparing a way for others to get to him, to receive him, and to be made new by him? What's standing in the way of that being done today? Lord, would you reveal that to us? God, would you help us as we commit to being the people that you've called us to be? as we reflect on the ways that you have been this beautiful relational God who who seeks to walk with his people, show up for his people, and continue to be there for his people. You've called us to do the same. You have not confined us to the walls of the temple, so to speak, but you have called us to be people who go and make a way for others to see you. This is the king the victorious king, the Messiah, that reflects Palm Sunday. This is who we worship today. Lord, help us to worship wholeheartedly. Move in our hearts in such a way that we can't contain our joy, that we would cry out to you, that we would long to see you do these these new and wonderful things in our midst once again. Move us out of our comfort zones. Disrupt us. You have permission, Lord Jesus, to disrupt us today. Remind us who you've called us to be. And we worship you, Jesus, our King. Amen.